Hey everyone, it's Gabby and Danny and Manny and you're listening to Oye, Let's Talk. Hola mi gente, ¿cómo están? If right now you're listening to this, I'm gonna need you to put the phone down and stop scrolling through your social media because we are going to sip this tea today. And let me tell you, the chisme is piping hot. It's hot. If you didn't know already, the social dilemma is real. And I'm not talking about the movie, okay? Or maybe we are. I mean, we bit. will just like a little bit, but this is reality. And the reality is social media is a dilemma. Y'all here for this? We ready. Let's go. Okay, so first of all, if you don't pay attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C., I'm going to say my homegirl from Dance Moms, Jojo Siwa, was just mentioned during a Facebook whistleblower testimony. So if there's two takeaways from this, it's that, yes, I am indeed a Dance Moms fan. I understand Abby Miller was arrested. Two, a former Facebook employee who worked on, like, citizen engagement and all that fun stuff actually decided to go to the Wall Street Journal with some tea and then decided to tell a bunch of lawmakers. If you didn't watch it, it was funny. One, One senator was like, what are you guys going to do about Finsta? And it just means, y'all, we have a lot to unravel here because we are the age of social media and we are also seeing that with some good comes some bad. You know what I mean? Most definitely. And if you guys haven't seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, stop right now and go watch it. And basically what my biggest takeaway take from that documentary was that social media companies need to tailor their applications and their products to be less addictive. And this whistleblower only confirmed to us that they that Facebook purposely creates divisive content and they know that it's creating harm in young children and continue to perpetuate this money-making machine despite all these negative consequences. And I don't know about how you guys felt but I was, yes, I wasn't surprised, but I was hella disappointed. I was so disappointed that Facebook knew all this was going on and I was so pissed. I was so pissed because, you know, all along you're like, yeah, this might be happening. This is a thing. But it's like paper evidence that Facebook was like, yeah, we're making the world worse. Let's continue making big money. You know, how did you guys feel? I have a hot take on that, and I know it's early on in the episode, but before I get into it, for those who don't know, Facebook owns Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, so not only do they tailor everything that you see and who your top friends are and all the content based on like what they hear from like your phone, like that that all of that is so freaky to a certain extent, but at the same time, to me, it's not a surprise. Um the whole big brothers watching you sort of thing has been there for a while. It's just now it's totally confirmed. But yeah, I mean, everything that you see on your feature page on Instagram, for example, it's all tailored based on like what you've clicked on before, what they hear. So it's not a total shocker, but also right. going back to what Manny said about how it's damaging to people and young kids in particular. I will say that Facebook has an age limit. Now, whether or not you're younger and you decide to go be a part of whatever, like we all know we can lie and it's very easy to just fake an age and your birthday. 
But at the end of the day, I do also think that the responsibility lies on us, the individual, and we do have a say on how much time we spend on these devices, these platforms. Okay, Danny. <laughs> I mean, okay, wait. How much do you spend on wait. your phone and you tell yourself, I'm going to stop? And it doesn't happen. It's hard. It's hard. These things are addicting. Of course. But at, at the end of the day, I do think that these platforms have the total right to say, hey, we don't control your bedtime. We don't control. You know, the fact that you're supposed to be at work and you're on your phone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, first of all, I want to touch on two things because I had already mentioned dance moms. If you didn't watch the Facebook testimony, Jojo Siwa was mentioned specifically because the question asked was from a lawmaker saying, does Facebook and Instagram understand that people who are underage um, create accounts, even though that there's an age limit? And the whistleblower said, yes, absolutely. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pull out this tweet. And say Jojo Siwa, which if you don't know her, product of Dance Bombs, little singer, has a big bow on her head. But she's a teenager now, but she posted something saying, yeah, I've had an Instagram since I was eight. And one of the corporate heads of Instagram was like, I wish you didn't tell me that. And I think it was publicly on Twitter, something along those lines. So my point being is kids openly admit, even if they age into this limit, that they do create and go on these platforms, especially now in influencer culture, because they either want the content or it, it was a joke. But Pew Research said one of the most common careers kids were mentioning was becoming a content mm -hmm. creator or becoming an influencer. But so how do you stop that is my point. Like, at what no, point is it, you know, on it's because society also puts importance on these things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So to kind of edge away I think everyone can have a discussion on how they use social media, whose responsibility is, and et cetera. But what I really want to hone in on is what does this mean for people like us who come from different backgrounds, may use social media for different reasons, and how is it impacting us and specifically the Latinx community? Because the Facebook whistleblower said it, everyone points to Facebook and its products slash platforms and social media in general for helping spread misinformation. But according to Hogan, who is a whistleblower, she mentioned that nearly, I think, 86% of misinformation campaigns are in English on Facebook, but only 9% of its users speak English. Mm -hmm. So how much are you really getting, getting done if you're also trying to send push notifications and get people to use your platform at all hours of the day for that ad revenue? I'm just saying that the second most used language or one of the at least trending ones is Spanish on Facebook platform. So that includes Instagram and WhatsApp. And this is according to Facebook itself. So if so many Spanish speakers are using these things, what does that mean for them? Uh, you know, I think definitely we it's it's going to affect every community across the board, you know, especially ours. And the way I see it, it doesn't matter what you use social media for. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect you. It, it doesn't matter who you are, what language you speak, or what you're using it, whether it's just for news or for entertainment or to actually socially connect with people. You know, these social media companies and these applications are profiting off of you, regardless, mm -hmm. regardless. And I think they're, I mean, and we can discuss that. Like, what is what is the limit to that? What I think, Gabby, to answer your question, it's it affects everybody across the board. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think Facebook is discriminating. I think everybody 
is gets affected at the end of the day. I agree, but to a certain point, like you have to tailor to different audiences. So what I was contemplating or I guess really internalizing is someone who understands that Facebook spreads misinformation or for instance, like let's just talk experience, right? We all have basically grown up with Facebook. We know what it looks like. But my cousins in Cuba are making Facebooks for the first time. So this is a new addiction. They're catching Facebook mm-hmm. at the height when Facebook has perfected algorithms and is beta testing like some of its most used features that have now have a permanent place on the app. So people who are being exposed to social media for the first time are being exposed to platforms that are at its finest. And I think that's detrimental because now we suddenly have a whole society who does not have that media literacy to understand that what they're looking at, mm. one, is could be fake, mm-hmm. or two, there's so much excitement there. Like for us, we, we scroll out of boredom. For others, they're scrolling because it's the only way to connect to something different. Yeah. And to be devil's advocate, it was that same Facebook platform that allowed people to organize on the island with those protests that we saw earlier um this year so yeah. it's it's a What's double-edged up, sword no, there's pros and cons for everything i, I do think that so facebook is an ad supported platform right which means that they have to sell ads because the platform is free to all of us that's the only way that they can make money out of it i don't see anything particularly wrong, wrong with that but i think that when they get super into everything about you and they super tailor and customize everything based off of like what they hear what they see what you click that's that's the definition of stalking right to an extent and the worst part is that no matter how you set up your settings like how private it is like they can still access all of this information because you waived your rights the minute you logged in and signed up to make an account that's just the way it works they just never we never thought that they would take it this far because of course the internet at that point when facebook exploded was was so new that nobody thought that we needed to regulate it to the point where they want to now. And I just want to clarify that when we say Facebook, we're kind of we're talking about the company itself and mm-hmm. a majority of its platforms because I'm 26 and a lot of 20 year olds don't have a Facebook account, but they have Instagram or they may have WhatsApp or they had it at one point, but they chose to delete it because it yeah. no longer it appeals to them. They don't use it. Any of my cousins that are younger than me and and they're not that much younger don't have a Facebook. Same, they my brother is 20 and he's never had a Facebook, never wanted to create one, doesn't see the point, to be honest. Yeah, there there's different. And that brings me to my next point is that it targets different types of communities. So the younger generation is on Instagram. I hear it all the time that women in their 30s and 40s are the prime people to advertise to via Facebook. Like if you want them to click a link, post it on Facebook. And then let's get away from Facebook. Twitter is like a very broad social media platform. And I wanted to say that Twitter, I think, tries to be very intentional with its product because they were one of the first ones to ban President Trump. Like they took a stand. People called it censorship, but they understand where they where their power lies. And I can't say that I get as many push notifications from Twitter as I would for maybe Facebook or even at this point, LinkedIn job hunting, you'd be surprised how many times LinkedIn is sending me push alerts saying job alert. And it has nothing to do with like my resume or my profile, like very Mm -hmm. light words. So in general, my point being is 
even the broader spectrum of social media, like not all are on the same level as Facebook Mm -hmm. and not everyone uses each social media equally. I agree. But I also think that Twitter is very particular, like its audience, mostly from what I've read and the criticisms I've gotten from Twitter is that it's very news oriented and or sports related, like only people that follow sports and want like a live tweet by tweet, like play by play sort of thing because they can't watch it live they're on twitter or journalists because most politicians nowadays that's the way they release a statement or everything is like official via twitter but your average citizen i would say most of them don't have a twitter unless you're like in high school and want to rant about you know the bully in your classroom or whatever like if you want to send like a subtweet or whatever i don't know if that's still a thing i remember that being a thing (laughs) in high school even in college But for the most part, like your average adult is not on Twitter. And that's like the criticism that I've gotten as a journalist. Like, why do you tweet if nobody in the real world follows you? Only journalists follow other journalists. I was told Twitter's for lurkers and microbloggers. And Facebook is for people who are just trying to connect like with others or like find community, hence Facebook groups. And then Instagram is for the influencers. So I think like when you split it up like that, it kind of makes sense. But can we talk for two seconds? Like if it weren't for social media, we wouldn't have Twitter politics. I'm yeah. so annoyed that some lawmakers like turn mm-hmm. to Twitter as their megaphone. And I think like that yeah. was really very much under President Trump. And like he definitely amplified that practice. But that I think is one of the, our other detriments. Like people will go to Twitter for their politics, but won't go to vote. That's a whole other topic. Oh, that's that's another episode. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say, Gabby, I disagree with you. I love politicians on Twitter. I it's giving them a platform. Why not? I think it's another way to disseminate their information and their point of view. I find nothing wrong. Yes, it's wrong if they're being the div- you know divisive on there, which we have seen you know other political leaders do that. Um, I think twi- just really quick on Twitter. I think. A lot of people, when they start using Twitter, they don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. But once you do, once you get the flow of it, it's it's I, I wouldn't it's very addicting. Like it's it's whatever you make your 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 timeline of, and it's it's not an it's not an algorithm. You're literally deciding what's on your timeline. Whereas Facebook, the algorithm's deciding what's on your feed. On Twitter, you're here like, no, I'm following A, B, and C. I want to see A, B, and C. But it can also be a bad thing because you're living in your own echo chamber and we can, you know, that's another, (laughs) that's another episode as well. Quick fun fact for those who didn't know, the Library of Congress is, has actually saved every single public tweet in history. And even if you delete it, it's there forever and ever. Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of websites that you can like easily search um, tweets, even for accounts that are deleted, which that just goes to show you that whatever you post truly does live forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and if they're they're tweeted by a president, they're archived forever. Yes. Um, I do want to bring up, we've discussed basically the platforms now. How is it impacting us? What exactly are we gaining or losing from social media? Well, Gabby, <laughs> what a thoughtful, prov- thought-provoking question. Um, I, I think it would be it it would be dumb of us not to point out. The, the pros you know mm-hmm. we've all grown up with social media 
I remember being in high school and, you know, Facebook and middle school, MySpace being a thing. And then, you know, being on Facebook. So we've, we've all grown with it. We've all seen it evolve. You know, we saw how it was a way to connect with people at school, talk about homework, talk about events, um, you know, talking about shows that might've been canceled. You know, the internet has always been a great source of information. I can't even begin to tell you about how much funny stuff you'll find on the internet, you know, like it's just a fountain of funny, I believe. And I, I love that. <laughs> I love culture. Is it? Yes, yes, exactly. So I think we'd be remiss not to mention the good stuff that comes out of the internet, but I think there's a lot of it's 20 years after the, the inception of social media, we really see it taking a toll on our lives, not even just our regular lives, our political lives. And I just wanted to mention this um, event where, and I don't know, have you guys heard what happened in Myanmar and Facebook? Yeah, but tell yeah. our listeners. Well, in Myanmar, um, Myanmar military personnel, they use the social network into an ethnic cleansing tool and then they basically created these false stories about what? yeah how bad uh, they said islam was a global threat to you know buddhism they were sharing false stories and it uh, it created this genocide in myanmar wow. the inner the facebook facilitated this genocide to occur in a country far away from its headquarters in california and what? I, when so when 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 a company when a when any company takes fault in something like that that's huge that's big when when teen when you when we see you know in the social dilemma documentary we saw an uptick in teens and preteen girls self-harming themselves mm -hmm. because of instagram posts and it's only gonna get worse because now kids when I'm, we we all grew up in an era where it was just starting. And Gabby mentioned it earlier, where now these social platforms are in other countries where they've already perfected their system. Mm -hmm. Now that perfected system is affecting our own society and our own kids. So it's, and it's, and it's hard. Danny was like, no, these companies aren't, you know, telling you when to go to sleep and what to do. But even as a parent, even as an individual, like it's hard to get off your phone no, I know. And, at yeah. night or it'd be the first thing you check in the morning. Imagine for a child, you know, like it's difficult guys. It's, 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 it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic. It's funny that you mentioned children or like young teens or whatever, because I was actually watching this movie with my boyfriend. And as soon as the movie ended, I was like, our kids are not going to have a cell phone until they're like late middle school. And he was like, wait, but why? And we had like this whole discussion about when they should use technology, when they should be on the platforms. And, and I guess we decided on like, if we ever have kids, I hope we have kids. Um, it'll be like when there's a real need for it and not because you feel like social pressure or like from school or from like your friends or whatever. It's because there's a real need to connect or be informed to a certain extent. And like for me, at least when I first got Facebook, I was a super late bloomer. I must have been like 18 or 19, like almost in college. And I did it mostly for family because most of my family is abroad. Um, like in Mexico and or in Argentina, all over Europe. Um, and because in high school, they were starting or in late high school, they were starting to create these Facebook groups that only certain classes would be a part of. So that's how they would give us the homework. 
Like that's mm-hmm. how they would send files and, yeah. and all that stuff. So it, imagine I was like the only person that didn't have a Facebook and nobody believed me. They're like, what do you mean you don't have a Facebook? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, can you like email me the homework? <laughs> so at that point, my mom reconsidered. She's like, okay, I guess like if you're actually using it for educational purposes, but then that transcends into what Manny was just pointing out, like, yeah, the lines were blurred eventually because it's hard not to be there for social purposes right. when the main point of the platform is to connect and, you know, brag about your life and, and all that stuff. So I think, I don't know, I think it must be very hard for a teenage girl who's going through so many different changes, already has peer pressure in school, probably has a, a couple of bullies already, to then come home and then find them on social media and compare yourself to like beautiful models and influencers and all that stuff like i can't i can't imagine you know like and that was actually something else that the whistleblower mentioned she said you know back in the day you left school and you you know you were you weren't being bullied anymore you weren't physically at school but now kids are going home and they're still getting bullied at home via their phone so it's like this constant cycle of being bullied or being put down so that's crazy that's crazy beyond that i just also think that as much as social media has helped connected people i think it's made it more difficult to socialize Mm -hmm. if that makes sense because i hate it i'll go to a family barbecue and everyone's on their phone and it's like okay well, we haven't seen each other in a minute like let's put it down or my i'll be talking to my mom and she's scrolling and she's like look at this funny video and i'm like do you really need to be looking at like funny animal videos right this second we're (laughs) trying to enjoy one another's company so I think social media helps fill the void, like because of its addictive nature. If you're not thinking or doing something for two minutes, you could always pick up your phone and potentially see something new or feel or see something that will make you feel something. So whether it's a nice video, a nice picture or an angry message or something for you to gossip about later. And where are you going to go gossip to? You're often texting it or screenshotting it and sending it to somebody else or sharing it or sharing and commenting on it. So you're doing very well at continuing the conversation through a screen, but a lot of people don't even like talk about it face to face. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where I get a little frustrated that to what point is it social media and not just media? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's also funny that the addiction spans across all ages. So before it used to be like, oh, look at that millennial on her phone. Like they can't stop, you know, with the phone and the technology. And now like my mom, like in a family reunion. Sorry, mom, I had to call you out on this. <laughs> um, she'll like be on her phone. I'm like, mom, like, oh, espérame, espérame. Es que estoy con tu tía, no sé qué. Uh-huh, yeah, but we're right. having dinner, right. you know. Next time you guys go out, I'll, I'll, I've noticed this. People watch like let's, you're at a restaurant and we'll, me and my girlfriend will be out. And we'll literally see like another couple they're not talking to each other. They're not exchanging words. And they're just on their phones. And it's like, why did you even go out? And I agree. I agree, Danny. That's, I mean, sorry. I agree, Gabby. It's it's not, you're, we're not that social. And I will totally say I'm guilty of it because I'm definitely on my phone. Like even at work, if I don't yeah. have a task, I'm like looking at, my, I'm checking my email. I'm like scrolling through my feeds one more time, seeing if anyone sent me any messages. I think as journalists, we're like, it's three times worse for us. Like I, I will say this, especially as a digital producer, when I was in digital, like it's just nonstop. You feel like you're missing out on the world. And then the one time you decide to take a vacation, don't, you know, you're flying you don't have access to Wi-Fi for like three, four hours. Like the sky is falling, you know, 
do vice president resign like you know i don't i don't know about have you guys been on tiktok yes very briefly and oh, i'm looking out because i still don't understand it no i i honestly can't do it like my fiance lewis goes on like i think every day and i go on tiktok once in a blue moon because i binge it i'm on it for a long time so i don't open the app on a daily basis because i know i'll be on there for too long yes. but some people like i'll open it and i have like 18 shared videos or something and i think that's crazy that people are on it so often guys i i'm sorry y'all i so i saw social dilemma recently the documentary after the documentary i deleted tiktok really <laughs> <laughs> i have since uh, downloaded again <laughs> but no. your story of redemption was short <laughs> no, right, right. but y'all like i wish i found myself i'm like i'm so addicted to this app like any downtime i had i'd be like because the fun thing about it you know since we work you know we work in news and sometimes it's so you're heavy mm-hmm. i just like mm-hmm. scrolling through dumb stuff and like mm-hmm. laugh or like so it's like just dumb mindless and not you know i like that because I, I didn't have to like use brain power but then i found myself any downtime i had i like let me go on tiktok you know just just a second even at work uh, and it's like no what are you doing i mean Stop. i think there's nothing wrong with it every so often no, it was a little the unhealthy key, <laughs> yeah the key is just to like monitor i guess your behavior and just watch out for like to not be on there for too long but that's another great point you brought up i feel like so many of us are conscious that we're addicted to it to a certain extent so like you guys delete the apps but then there's no point if you like do like a social media cleanse for like two days and then you have it back (laughs) like to me there's no point i've never deleted my apps i just like i'll just charge it in the room next door won't see it if i have to study for an exam or have something to focus on like that my phone is elsewhere. It's fine. Like, I'll text my mom or my boyfriend or whatever, like, hey, I'm, you know, leaving my phone off for like an hour. I'm not dead. I'm at home. I'm fine. I'm just <laughs> charging it. Need to do whatever. Like, it's just you. self-discipline is key. Easier but, said than done. Yeah, that, yeah. So that brings me to like kind of our final point. What are some resolutions? And I just wanted to mention, like, what's so bad about being addicted to social media at the end of the day? Now, if you're someone who has those self-harming thoughts, I please invite you to please speak with a doctor or therapist. But to be honest, if the worst thing you do is scroll, like I, I honestly saw this on Twitter a lot. Like it, it's not like you're addicted to Coke or you're you're drinking. So why is social media addiction so bad? I, and how do I we disagree? That? I disagree, yeah, Gabby. Yeah. I disagree, Gabby, because anything in excess is dangerous. Yeah. Food in excess is dangerous. Alcohol in excess is dangerous. I think any addictive behavior is bad, whether it looks like, whether it looks, what's the word I'm compare, looking for? Like, when you compare it to something else, I think that's when uh, it gets blurry. But someone brought up the point and I was like, you know what? That's fair. I think I think that if it um, interferes with your ability to speak like a human to someone else, like if it if your social skills are no longer there because of it, it's bad. Like if you can't be without your phone because you feel awkward, like I know a lot of people who will just walk down the street, but they're, they're afraid to make eye contact or they're in an elevator and they feel awkward. So they pull out their phones. Like it's fine to stand there in silence. You know what I mean? Like to, to what extent are you hiding behind your screen? And then like, can you live without it? I I just, I just feel like it, it, it takes a toll on you mentally. 
regardless, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's healthy to be on your phone or your computer for X amount of hours looking at your computer. And then like all the stuff that you're looking at is probably detrimental to your health. You know, you're not always looking at funny stuff. It could be detrimental to yourself. You're second thinking you're, you're second guessing yourself or your, you know, your confidence or your self-esteem. I don't know. I don't know. Or you're like also wasting your time. You could be yeah. productive human society. Like go find the research for something. I don't know. So no, that's a thousand and ten percent like my benchmark. And that was what I was gonna get to is one resolution, which I think everyone has the power to do, is are you being a productive contributing member to society? Can are you functional? Are you okay? So how's your mental health? Do you think it's the root can be social media? Like that's when the addiction goes bad. And um, my that was my response mentally, at least to the Twitter comments I was reading after the Facebook whistleblower um, testimony. And another aspect is, have you been practicing patience and discipline? Are you patient enough to sit in silence? If so, like patience is always great to have, but not always great to practice with people. But one mm-hmm. easy way to practice is with your phone. Can you put it down? Can you not respond to something? Can you not share something? Um, Can you control your feelings when you see something that angers you? And then are you disciplined enough to know, hey, this really isn't real life. Can I put this away and actually go live my life or go do something like go make a, a real life connection? How many people can you text and call upon that you either just met or recently met in the last two years and know more than just the classroom peer the acquaintance, like how much do you know about them? So maybe the discipline is reaching out to someone and like deepening a friendship as opposed to, yeah, I commented on their post on Instagram or I liked what they said. Um, another resolution I think is like, and I think the whistleblower testimony uh, kind of brought that more to light is it's time to upgrade some of these laws. Like most people don't know about them. <laughs> they don't know that there's really no government oversight over all of this because social media platforms function in large part as publishers and businesses. Yeah. Yeah, So when you click, I agree to terms and conditions, like it's not really censorship if they cancel your account because you kind of agree to whatever rules to use their free platform. Um, And I think people just need to, at the local level, educate yourself what that means and understand that after this, we're probably going to see social media evolve and change once again. Hopefully, Gabby, let's put it out into the universe and manifest it. And while most politicians on the Hill on both sides of the aisle usually don't agree on a lot of things, this is actually one thing they do agree on. They were both on the same side when they when they were interviewed, when they brought that whistleblower to committee. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. You know, hopefully they got enough insight to draft some significant legislation to actually bring that oversight, protect us as consumers where we're not, you know, falling trap to these addictive, you know, applications. And fake news. (laughs) Misinformation. And that's a whole other set. But basically to wrap it up, if you took anything from this, it's that social media can be harmful like anything if you binge it. Um, I'm not talking about your Netflix show. Go ahead and binge uh, The Social Dilemma because we gave you a, a lot of spoilers here. 
you you should watch it for yourself. But ultimately, like social media is up to you to use and how you want to socialize with it. But it's not the real world, y'all. That's our fair warning. So the next time this may come up in conversation, go ahead and say, oye, let's talk about why we even use these platforms and let's do it face-to-face IRL in real life. <laughs> I like that, Gabby. I like that sign up. <laughs>